Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 35 of Casual Watch Talk. Today we've got an entire show dedicated to discussing some of the most interesting micro brands that we've seen lately and we're joined by a very special guest. We're joined by Rick from Scottish Watches. So thanks for joining us Rick. Not a problem at all. For anyone that's not heard of Scottish Watches, the very popular podcast, the website and the YouTube channel, would you mind giving us a quick intro? That's not possible. Everybody knows who we are, surely. <laughs> surely we are synonymous. Uh, yes. So, yeah, for those of you that don't know us, where have you been? What rock have you been hiding under? Yeah, I am one of the Ricks. There's Rick and Ricky. I am, I'm the quiet one, as you'll no doubt tell. I never interrupt anybody <laughs> or do anything ever wrong. And the technology always works when I'm present. Uh, so, yeah, Scottish Watches is who we are. Uh, we have... Much like yourselves, we have a website, we have a YouTube channel, we have the podcast uh, that we do twice a week because we are gluttons for punishment and like to share that punishment with others. So yeah, just uh, if you're interested in anything that's going on, then Scottish Watches, ubiquitous everywhere on the internet. I primarily know you from the podcast. I hadn't really delved into the website, but you should definitely check out the website. There's a lot of cool, cool content on there. Yeah, we don't tend to do the we don't have full-time employees so we can't keep up with the regular uh, watch releases but we try to put something new up there every day although it has to be said this morning from Sophie who writes for us has put up a one of the bog standard Rolex predictions uh, type uh, post but yesterday we had an article on watch collecting in Iran so uh, go and go and check that out uh, from one of our Iranian listeners I thought it would just be interesting to see what's what across there. So he's pinged us through whatever firewalls he needed to escape from <laughs> uh, to uh, get us some information on what's going on there. It is fairly standard stuff in Iran, much as here. There's nobody can get any Steel Sports Rolexes. Right. Uh, but uh, you can get an Omega if you want it. So uh, there you go. Uh, and then there's some other good articles. So check out anything that Edwin writes. They tend to be very, very funny and worth a good listen. We've got Gigi. Uh, from Italy that writes for us and some other guys from Dubai and a few from the States. So, yeah, there's always plenty going on. Yeah, and we'll have to big a, a shout-out for Dave from LPW Watches as well, from my hometown of Manchester. Yes, yes. Yes, he's a local local to where he used to be, but not now. Yes, yeah. yeah he's, I think he's, yeah, he's in part of Manchester Hyde, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we thought we'd do a bit of a micro-brand special. I review a lot of micro brands on the channel, so I really struggled to pick just three. But what I did was I picked three that I've reviewed recently. So there's certainly ones that I would have liked to add to the list, like Veya. They've got a new dive watch coming out. But these are ones that I've reviewed recently that I really kind of caught my eye. If I kick it off and then Chris will go to you and then Rook will go to you and we'll go around. We've got three each. Good, good. I've cheated, obviously. Oh, good. Oh, of course. Scottish. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean to. by micro brand, so I, I've just picked three brands. <laughs> uh, I've I've not picked like Omega and 
swatch or you know just kind of random. <laughs> right, right. I, I think it's a right. least I was thinking like yeah, I was thinking like micro uh, modern like modern uh, giant brands that sort of now have become micro brands because. For yeah, I mean, reason. Apple sell more watches than the entire Swiss watch industry put together, and the Japanese, I think, as well. So technically, they're all micro brands now. Right. So yeah, uh, yeah. I look For forward to pick, giving you my grand <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I'll tell you what. I'll kick it off here. This is one that I've reviewed recently, and uh, Dave, who runs uh, Detroit Mint, I'm talking about the Detroit Mint Mac watch that he designed based on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film. I reviewed the prototype and then I've reviewed the new quartz one recently. I just I just really liked it. I, I like the sort of classic design. He's definitely taken inspiration from those early citizen bullhead chronographs. Definitely inspiration from the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film. He took my nagging to make the cuff strap as well. But I'm, I like what he's doing there. His, his early watches, a lot of them definitely were homages to early Seiko watches, but uh, this is one of his first completely original designs, I think, and I, it was a pleasure to see it from prototype. Yeah, he's kind of right stepped down. Yeah, he's definitely kind of stepped out. Now he's located. He's located here in the U.S. He's yeah, he's in Detroit. So in Detroit, okay. Well, Detroit Unlike that, other <laughs> Detroit brand. Yeah, there's actually there's actually like a couple of there's a couple of standout Detroit's, but Detroit uh, watch companies. But yeah, absolutely. Definitely. My only comment with, with those guys, I mean, with him, is uh, that he had the bravery to change his logo. To change his text logo, which is good. I mean, that's that's something that some companies will just will never ever ever change. And <laughs> Christopher Ward, <coughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's Wednesday. It's time for a new Christopher Ward logo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Says uh, or the CW. I mean, I think. I mean, he's 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 gone now. So it's now the Mike France Watch Company. Oh, or that's oh yeah. He's moved on. Yes. Yeah, that is weird that when your namesake moves on. I got an interesting email from them the other day saying we tried to create the world's smoothest bezel and we failed. Like, oh, that's an interesting marketing (laughs) strategy. Okay. (laughs) They said Rolex is still the best. We interviewed Mike France on the podcast and they admitted to the fact that they had actually gone around all the ADs uh, in London or close to where they are. And it recorded all the bezel noises that they make in order to try and make their bezel sound like a Rolex. Wow. They also admitted that they hadn't got close, but they reckoned that they were the second best, which, to be fair, is is not bad. And I do like Christopher Ward because they will actually tell you exactly what is going on. They hide nothing. Yeah. You know, they'll tell you their markups times three, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What's, what's interesting about Christopher Ward was on my list for... Um, Sort of watch microbrands that maybe are no longer microbrands. Yeah, good point. So what's your first pick then, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with the safety pick first. I think deserves a mention in 2020. Um, and they've got, a new, they've got a new piece coming out uh, very shortly. And that's, I'm going to stick with uh, LA-based Notice. Okay. Because they have been doing a great job. They're definitely a known microbrand here. They're local. Met them. Had the original Contrail. And uh, it uh, it didn't speak to me. And I think it was because of the stainless steel bezel. Uh, I didn't connect with it. And of course, that's a terrible... <laughs> this is a terrible intro to to a watch brand that I think is uh, deserves to be on my list here. But uh, they listen to their customers. They, they're very popular on Instagram. And not, not popular, but they're, they're engaged on Instagram. They do a sort of a field watch sports 
diver sort of aesthetic. That's like not not typically like not just a you know not a true like all 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 business diver, but more like a field watch aesthetic. Um, and they're about to announce their new Contrail Two on August thirty first. So I figured that would be kind of fitting to put them on the list because no one else has got anything going on this week. Yes, <laughs> from the right. watch world. So yeah. just you know they've created created a nice bit of independence. Between all the giants of Geneva that <laughs> yeah, are launching the week we're recording and Rolex, who have asked the media to, if, if, if they wouldn't mind, the media, could we dominate the first to the 4th of September? Right, so. right, exactly. I know. If that, if that Rolex ends up being a blue dialed sea dweller, it's like the worst kept secret. In the- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this is the question. So, are, are maybe notice have just taken, like, Maybe it's th- maybe the three D printed their watch. So what they've done is they've looked at all the leaks in the last forty eight hours <laughs> from Rolex. So a big triangle at twelve and all the rest yeah. of it, and they're gonna they're gonna try and gazump this by releasing something as close to whatever they think Rolex are gonna do the day before Rolex release it. They're just gonna whack them out <laughs> and uh, get get them all sold. Uh, before everybody joins a queue for an imaginary Rolex that no one will see for months. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So Contrail two. So what? What you bought the Contrail, but then yeah, I it, flipped. Yeah, it. I flipped it. I flipped I, it. <laughs> yeah. And have you got any other notices or no die? No die. Right. Yes. Notice, no um, I've I've ha- I've got a friend of mine who has got uh, the uh, the diver. I'm trying to think of the the name of it. Is that the retrospect? Yes. Yeah, the retrospect diver. It's really well done. Yeah, I, I, I there's a number of people in the kind of local red bar towns in Glasgow who have got no decisis. <laughs> no <laughs> decisis. No die. Yes. I, I'm sure we, Wes is probably, I don't know if Wes is officially ruled on that. We have this big debate on the pod, podcast about Lego, uh-huh. which you may have caught on. So Lego versus Lego. So the collective, officially the collective of Lego is Lego. Yeah. Right. It's like That's sheep. right. You Americans, and I'm counting you as one American now, Sam. <laughs> uh, is, Wait, is you mean, you'll you. never catch me saying Legos. I'm, I'm on an Amer- Amer- right? Amer- well, American podcast right now. Is that what's happening? Because <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got Brexit and stuff, then it's one of the questions we ask at Border is plural of Lego. And if you say Legos, they just turn you right around. Have you, you did you play with Legos as a kid? Yes. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Let's go. So, Rick, I'd love to know what your choice is for your first one. Right. So, I don't know what the definition of a micro brand is anymore. So, I, I really don't care. I'm just, I'm just picking watches. Honestly, I'm picking watches and brands from people who I know. Okay. So that, that's it. So, I was, and in a typical Scottish way, we've got three choices. So, I'm going to give you about nine because I'm going to tell you about all the ones I didn't pick as well. <laughs> okay. I was going to choose. I was going to go Vertex. Because we interviewed them recently, and Vertexes are worth worth looking. But I'm going to pick a Scottish watch's favourite because we've had them on a number of times, videoed them, and all the rest of it. It's Orage or Horage, Horage as rhymes with porridge, but oh, okay. actually it's Orage. Orage. So I don't know if you've come across these guys. This is the um, the Watch Chronicler uh, does a bunch of stuff on on Horage, doesn't he? Is that the guy that used to be called something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arm yeah. and the Watch guy. Arm and the Watch guy. That's him. Yeah, he does some bits and pieces. Yeah, he, He's he certainly a, seen some yeah. of these. So this is an interesting company. 
they're a bit like, who would I say they're close to in terms of attitude? Moser is okay. probably who I would say that they're, they're like in terms of their attitude to Swiss watch industry. So they have their own movement. Wow. They're based in Switzerland. They made their own movement called the K1. And as if that wasn't bad enough, they were going to do a tourbillon uh, cooperating with, and the name has escaped me, but they were cooperating with somebody else and they kind of fell out. So they decided they'd make their own tourbillon as well. Wow. So that's what they're in the middle of doing. I've got on what I like to call semi-permanent, 10 years on the wrist, Basically, I've nicked it. The watch that they sent us for review. I liked it. So I did the Walt. Is it Walt? No, not Walter Cronkite. Who is it that liked the company so much they bought it? That's one of those American things, isn't it? We do that all the time. I did that yesterday. It's a catch. It's a catch. A catchphrase of somebody across. So I liked it so much. I decided. It's Scottish version is I liked it so much. I decided I'd steal it. So this is Orage. I have got the Autark, uh, which is a cracking watch. Uh, worth a look. There's an Autark and a 10-year Autark as well. I've got the original. It's a splash of colour. It's all in-house. It's reasonably competitive. Three, four thousand pounds, mm-hmm. dollars, mm-hmm. however it converts this week. Great strap on it. Got a splash of colour. Uh, the one I've got has got a power reserve on it and a date and a running seconds. Really nice uh, loom pips. It's just a great company worth checking out. They're doing things differently. They are, as they like to say in the industry, they are, what's it? Not revolutionizing, they are disrupting. Disrupting like the industry. <laughs> disrupting <laughs> the industry, but genuinely, they actually are disrupting the industry. This is totally new to me, this, Chris. Have you heard of them? I have heard of them, um, but I was not aware that they'd been around for like 10 years. Yeah, it's t- it took them a while to get going. I mean, they originally yeah. started out on Kickstarter. Uh, way back, Andy, who's the one of the owners, has a background with his wife in, I think it's the manufacture of dials, originally it's where they came from. But I've seen the tourbillon that they're making, the sample version of it that they had with, was it Schwartz? I think it was Schwartz Etienne. Uh, who's it, whoever it is that makes the movements with Jacob & Co, they're owned by Citizen now. Uh, but decided they're just going to do this tour beyond movement themselves so it's due octoberish time it's going to be about seven grand wow. for an in-house swiss made tour beyond none of your kind of chinese micro yeah. brand stuff this is made by their own watchmakers and it's cracking it's absolutely worth a look and because they're now doing it themselves the run isn't going to be limited in the way that they'd originally intended, and the power reserve has now also gone out, I think, to about 100, 100 hours, if I remember wow. correctly. I be 15,000 Swiss francs, I think. Yeah, so it's to be $15,000 or 15,500. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. Wow. So it is, it's well worth a look if that's what floats your boat and you've got that kind of money. It's not your kind of standard micro brand. Uh, you know. Yeah, but I mean, like a a tourbillon movement from any other, like any major brand, <laughs> you're you're welcome to eighty, you know. Yeah, and I mean the closest to this is Tag, in terms of their uh, tourbillon, and I, I I'll not 
we we like to try to get sued on Scottish watches, <laughs> so I'll not inflict it on you. No, as to telling, yeah. as to saying where I think Tag also may make this, but it may not be Switzerland. That's all I'm saying. Awesome. Well, I'll um, moving on. I dive in on my next one. Yeah, I, go for it. When I tried to do my picks, I forgot to mention this at the start. I tried to pick like the more affordable size side, a design that I like, but also. This has been a big subject on the Facebook group is accessibility because there's a lot of micro brands that are doing small batches of stuff that people can't get hold of. So I tried to pick ones that were at least accessible. And the second one that I had was a watch I reviewed on the channel that admittedly I didn't like the design of it and I even said it in my review. But the quality of it, the, the, the band, the leather band that this guy put on this, I'm talking about Mitch Mason watches. Very distinctive. His hands were, they looked like a fountain pen or whatever, but the I was blown away by the quality of it. The leather strap, I think, was one of the best leather bands I've ever seen that came with a watch out of almost any watch that I've reviewed, whether it be, you know, Patek or, or whatever. It was just, it blew me away, the attention to detail. So the, my second pick was Mitch Mason. A bit of a, a watch on the smaller side, but the attention to detail on the case, the hands, the design, it, it, it really blew me away. Yeah, these are quite nice. I've kind of got a take on, it's not it's not what you would call cathedral hands. Yes. But they do have that sort of Seiko Alpinisty type vibe going on right, with this new one. Is this the one I'm looking at here? I think, is it? On its way to Kickstarter? It's on its way, yeah. I think the original idea was to launch it in September. I don't know whether everything that's been going on in the world might delay that, but Singapore-based. What's been going on? It's been been quite quiet in the world, is it not? (laughs) Nothing on it. No no (laughs) drama at all (laughs) anywhere. Nothing to see here. What's this watch like? Is this the Mitch Mason? Is it called the Chronicle? Called the Chronicle, yeah. 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 Quite like the way they're doing the loom. There's a very interesting loom shot here whereby rather than just having markers at, you know, each of our indices, they kind of give it give it a bit of a flurry at three, six, nine, mm-hmm. and twelve. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like that. And you reckon these are a bit smaller, these thirty eight mil, are they? I think they're close. I think they're thirty six, I think, from memory, but they definitely wear more like a thirty eight. Yeah, thirty six and a half I'm seeing. I I, I wear I wear big watches. Anyone that listens to the show knows I only wear one watch, which is a 44 mil Panerai. So this is like, going to be one It would look dainty after me. you've been wearing a Panerai for this, a couple years. This, I, I, I could, yeah, that's the problem with the Panerai is I really like it, but then once your eye kind of adjusts to it, everything just looks tight. Right, yeah. Even when, yeah. Even when it's not. All right. Uh, but yeah, I've certainly come across these. These are quite, these are quite cool. Quite like the look of these. But the Salita? Yes. Yeah, though the production one, I think, is going to have a Miyota in it. Yeah, they show Miyota. All right. Yeah. And Sam, you made an interesting point. I actually had two that I looked up, looked up that I'll just mention now. Um, Halios, which we've talked about on the podcast yeah. before, um, is kind of one of those brands like I'd love to, like huge on Instagram. Their watches look great. Love to buy one, but they're always sold out. And they're like, they're so limited, you can't get one. Yeah, and I know. And another and another brand. Uh, have you heard the brand Traska? The dive watches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do. They do like a like a an aqua like an aquamarine blue uh, blue green dial diver. I I was on their site last night 
and their entire site is sold out. I mean, I, I, yeah, they I know they're coming out with more, but it's very a little disappointed. They, they're sort of a bit like the Doxa Aquamarine. Yes. Yeah. Now, is it the, the limited edition? Was it the Doxa? Was it the 200s? Which were the most recent limited editions? Not the great big Doxas with uh, tiny dials and huge bezels, but the kind of slightly more deep. Yeah, the, the, new, the new one from Doxa. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so. they were the docks. I think were about nine hundred, maybe a thousand dollars. These are about half that. Right. Big. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you can get one. Um. So I. Uh, yeah. So for my second pick, moving from west to east, I went with Hemel. Hemel is a uh, New York-based uh, military-inspired chronographs. They do a lot where they offer a mecha quartz a basic chronograph movement and a fancy chronograph movement kind of in the same watch, which is always good to kind of branch out and, and give people options. I, I like, uh, I like their style. Obviously my personal aesthetic is very chronograph sports watch. So, uh, military inspired chronographs, chronographs certainly spoke to me. Um, and I heard about them for the first time this year and, uh, they they did a, they did a Type 20 chronograph that was basically for an Instagram watch group, or a, sorry, a Facebook watch group. And I missed out on it, but they, but they basically made a special Type 20 uh, for this group and did like kind of a group buy thing. Oh, and wow. it just, it looks, it looks so good. It's the, they did like basically a, you know, like a, like a Type 20 style. Um, and, and they did the same thing where they had, a basic mecha quartz and a and a or in this case I think it was like a, a a basic mechanical and then they did the you know the Uber you know seven seven fifty or something like that it was kind of cool yeah I am familiar with this brand I like the look of their chronographs but again they use that VK sixty four mecha quartz don't they which I'm just not a fan of at all right but um, yeah it's they, interesting they, they only get a pass there I think because they offer different movements for the same watch so I think that's the only way they there are some other ones that were on my list that I didn't, that I wouldn't mention because that's kind of all they have. I like these hydro hydro durance ones that Hemel have got. They've got a red one and a fully loomed dial uh, that look a bit now. Is it black? It's a uh, what is that? It looks like it's got a sapphire bezel on it. I'm just trying to see if that's correct. Or the dome sapphire and the front crystal bezel. Yeah, it has. It's got a sapphire bezel on it. Yeah, that's the their new their uh, new uh, hydro endurance diver that they're doing. Um, yeah, they're cool. The red one. You don't get many fully red watches. Tag used to have one that was pretty special looking. So uh, that's actually quite smart. Unfortunately, they're sold out, so I've got no way of knowing how much it is because it's not like they score out how much it is and say sold out. They just tell you it's sold yeah. out. Oh, on the US site, it says $600. Yeah, it's five to, ah, right, okay. well, six to 700 yeah. I think depending on your options. That's not too bad. Certainly the fully loomed one in cream, that'll be quite spectacular. There's an old uh, Alp... Again, I seem to be obsessing with the Alpinist today. There's an Alpinist, quite a rare Alpinist, has a fully loomed dial and a GMT feature on it as well, which that looked quite similar. So, 
Next up is a brand from me, which... Does anybody else have problems spelling Tag Heuer? Type it into computers. Does anybody else find... Does anybody else go, how on earth do you spell Heuer? Heuer. Yeah, well, it, it, it defaults to uh, here, doesn't it? Whenever I type it, it defaults to here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this, if you find that one difficult, then this is a real tongue twister. This is a brand called Oek and Vice. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's which is spelt O double L E C H and W A J S. This is a bit of a rebirth of an old company. Not go into the full story, but these guys are really worth checking out. Some of the, the value on this, I think, is pretty rocking. I have a 1,000-meter diver. Is the OWC-1000. The loom on it is phenomenal. The bracelet's great. The case is epic. $1,700 uh, if you're in the States, as I understand it. But uh, this is a, this is a, the click on the bezel of this thing is absolutely amazing. That they're well worth a check out. You've got more or less two different types. You've got the divers, the C one thousands, and you've got the P one oh ones. There's also a P one oh four, which is a slightly different bezel. I think it's a tachymetric scale, if I remember correctly, that bezel. Yeah, it is. Uh but the P one oh one is their kind of pilot watchy type thing, which is really cool. It's just a brand thousand dollars for the pilot uh, type yeah an, an older an older micro brand for sure you know yeah, yeah i mean there's there's yeah. there's there's proper history going back there into original divers if you want to go and look for the you know the golden oldie stuff on chrono 24 or, or or whatever floats your boat then uh, there is plenty there uh, to look for my final one Again, I suppose this is goes to your point, Chris, where it was a, a micro brand that's that's got really big now. But they're fresh in my memory because I just re- uh, just reviewed one of their watches, and that's um, that Phoebus. I know this is definitely a fan of uh, Jody at just one more watch, but the Phoebus Eagle Ray. What I like about them is their quality that they're knocking out. Same with uh, Boulder and a few of the other ones. They're really even though they're um you know it's sort of from asian based markets they are creating unique designs yeah phoebus had like a rolex esque one at the start but they're knocking out these unique designs same with boulder boulder are doing some um unique stuff and this is why when you see these kind of you know hot homage watches or these kind of formulaic dive watches i'm always like god if they there is people doing totally unique stuff but I don't know what you guys think about that one, Phoebus. So which which one in particular? They've got an inter they've got one that's got an internal rotating bezel, I seem to recall. Yes, the GMT one, the quartz one. This was the Eagle GMT. the Eagle Ray that I just um reviewed. Eagle Ray is a is a line that they have. In fact that GMT was right. in the Eagle Ray, but the the one I just reviewed, the Eagle Ray three hundred, that it has a bracelet that is awesome. It's it, again it's like a unique bracelet. Similar, I would say, to the the old Bond uh, Mega Seamaster in the way that the links appear, but they've done an excellent job of the screwing links. I think the watch is three hundred dollars or something. Uh, Seiko NH35A Sapphire Crystal uh, ceramic inserted bezel. The the bezel definitely divides opinion because it's got that sawtooth type design to it, but the watch is solid. 
No, that's cool. It's a cool case shape, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, uh, it's, it's got a bit of, uh, style will be the wrong word because it's a watch at the end of the day. You know, whatever you like, you like. But it's a bit different. It's not just a round case with some lugs uh, glued on the end. The sawtooth, what did you make of the sawtooth uh, bezel? The whole watch is, is high quality. The only thing I didn't love was the sawtooth bezel. I, I think they still need to perfect the clicking action on it to be honest and uh, was it 41 mil 42 yeah, mil? i think it's around the 42 yeah. and, and that and gradient dial is also the gradient dial in person yeah, really is incredible is and the corresponding yeah. date wheel in black uh the de- i mean i love the date on a watch and, and it, the, it, the date kind of falls into the dial because it's within that gradient which i think is a nice touch yeah i'm just looking at a picture of it here what why is it that a micro brand that's selling a watch for 300 dollars can manage to get a date wheel that matches the rest of the color of a watch. Right. But a gazillion billion dollar empire like Omega or Rolex can't manage to match the color of the date wheel to fit in with the color of the rest of the world. Audemars Piguet, I think, are the worst at this. I think think they're definitely, and they're taking advantage of, you know, they're, as far as specs are concerned, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, you know, they're they're offering better value spec wise than than Seiko. I mean, if they're you know in that three hundred four hundred dollar range and it's sapphire and it's well built and it's you know it's right in that you know right in that. I mean, Seiko are just throwing darts at dartboards at the moment to try and figure out what they're going <laughs> right. to price things. They at. really are. I can't uh, work out what they're doing with their pricing. Like, like the really, I mean, they're trying to bump everything up to that what in the US thousand dollar mark, but it doesn't seem like they're offering much more value for it i mean they're they're definitely looking at the archives aren't they from their greatest hits which is good but i just can't they got it and and you've heard me say it before they they have to they've got to do that they've got to do something with their movement they have to yeah they need it they need a cheap spring drive definitely all over that yep exactly or some something way more accurate than what they're popping in and for me at this point i mean i i definitely some some admitted snobbery here uh admitted watch accuracy snobbery um i i i want to see uh i would rather have a japanese miyota uh movement in it or a salita or an eta than an nh35 i mean at this point for me for me this is my this is my accuracy snobbery coming out but but it is the problem that seiko have been undercharging for years in comparison to what people have actually been paying for similar quality out of swiss watch companies and everyone's just taking fright as they try to correct that in the likes of well think of any seiko you like and compare it to a swiss brand uh, from two three years ago or are they actually just taking the mickey? I think that I think they're yeah. taking the mickey because they yeah. they have because you only have to look at Citizen really as an example. I mean, they're they're both I would say the same size companies, but Seiko must they must be knocking out those movements out uh, yeah. en masse. They're the only ones that have probably got machinery at that scale where they and they control the whole supply chain. Exactly. They're not buying movements from a third party. They they're from like soup to nuts. I mean, I, I guess with the exception of maybe the sapphire crystals on the rare occasion they put them on a watch. They, but I reckon they own the entire supply chain yeah. uh, on that. Yeah. They, have the, they have their own crystal growing plant as far as I'm aware. Uh, yeah. We, yeah, we interviewed Ariel Adams from A Blog to Watch and he, he'd been out there 
uh, to see them uh, growing these growing crystals. crystals. That's crazy. So yeah, no, they're they're completely vertical integrated. Uh, Hong Kong's apparently the epicenter for crystal crystal growing. I, I imagine Rolex probably maybe grow their own. That's ne- next to where all the the dwarfs are in the uh, the gold smelting plant. <laughs> the seven dwarfs <laughs> right. that they've got. I mean, what, mining what the gold. makes you decide? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I mean, what makes you decide? You know what I'm going to do for a living? I'm going to grow crystals. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that that's the future. The future is in growing yep, crystals. Yep. Uh, so anyway, there we go. Something's yeah, good, yeah. It, uh, you know, that movement that you know the NH35 or the you know the basic the 7S26 movement, just the basic movement that they make. I mean, it every you know at this point, everyone should be aware that you can buy that movement for forty dollars on eBay, and it's br- brand new, and so. You know, can you buy a Valjoux seven seven fifty for forty dollars? You know, no, you can't. Can can you like? I think you can get an ETA uh, undecorated. Uh, what's it? The the standard three hand two eight. You know, two eight two four whatever the standard uh, three hander. I think you can probably get one for in the three hundreds. So I mean, just that start, like just to start with that you know with that price and and being then the fact that they control all that you know it's like yeah. i gotta do something so what's there, your so. uh final choice then chris all right so my final okay. choice uh we're moving over to uh we're moving over to france and uh i i did some i did some looking and i i really like the aesthetic of this brand and it's called baltic and so what do you guys think of baltic i was sure was you were going to say yemma then reason is that right yeah so another friend another uh, another one of my list that i don't think is a micro brand anymore no. i kind of feel they've surpassed uh but anyway so baltic um they do a vintage diver and they do a sort of a, a vintage uh, field watch and they do the uh the popular aquascafe aquascaf it's quite similar to the oak and vice that aquascafe yeah there's some more very similar kind of uh vibe on the bracelet and and the depth of the dial, but you know they're very cool. Uh, I've seen a couple uh, again at Red Bar, which is where you kind of see all the random stuff that folk buy. One of the things that they do that that uh, impressed me, or certainly spoke to me, was that the the different options they they will offer uh, sort of that vintage loom, but then they will offer it without it. All right, okay. So if you like that vintage loom style, great. But if you don't, and I'm in that camp. Uh, you know, you can kind of you, you pick there, and um, yeah, uh, they've been around. Uh, they've been around for a while, but uh, yeah, I've not seen one in person. I know I watched uh, Teddy Balbazar do his kind of micro brand breakdown the other day, and bless him, he'd obviously done a lot of research. But I think perhaps he could have been a bit more concise. Having said that, I could be a bit more concise on my videos, <laughs> but he definitely he's a big fan of Baltic, isn't he? And I, I've not seen one in person, but I hear that the quality's up there so i didn't honestly know they were french i have to say that was when you when you said french i thought you were going for like reservoir right. or something, something like yeah french, maybe, you, yeah i didn't i maybe they're belgian yeah, was, sure. <laughs> yeah especially as the baltic i mean france doesn't border the baltic so presumably <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. presumably yeah. there's somebody there who it was uh it was his uh it was his dad the guy who started it his dad was uh was was traveling in the in the area of you know in the Baltic Sea and and ah, right, okay. through his travels had taken a bunch of photographs of the watches that he had and sort of that sort of inspiration was from. There's a cool one here, the HMS 001 Gold DLC. 
That's cracking. It's 400 euros. It reminds me of something, but I can't think what it is. What the, what, is this the HMS, what, what's it, the double? Eight, the HMS 001 gold DLC. Oh, right. Are we gold, gold watch? That's pretty yeah. cool. Admittedly, it's 38 mil, so it's yeah. far too small for me. But uh, yeah, quite like that. John Player special. Cool. Black and gold there. Yeah, that's that's the colour yeah. scheme. Yes, that's exactly right. That's cool. exactly what it's reminding me of. Yeah, so over to you, Rick, for your final one. Right, so we'll step up a bit here. So this is a brand that I'm quite familiar with. The guy who is he's not the rep, he's a bit more senior than the rep, is currently finishing a cycle around the UK coast for charity. Uh you'll find him at New Forest Robin. Uh, on Instagram, but he works for a company called Moritz Grossman, uh, who would be the closest thing, in my opinion, to like a modern day trying to have a go at the Pateks of this world. Oh, really? And they have one watch in particular. So again, another odd spelling. So it's Moritz with a Z, Grossman with two S's and two N's. Got it, yeah. Uh, and they have a particular watch on there called the Hamatic. Now, mm. at first look, this just looks like a stick hand, you know, seconds dial at six o'clock, etc. You know, cool looking dress watch, it's nice size, etc, etc. But as with all these things, the present is on the back. Because this is an automatic watch but it doesn't use an automatic rotor. Hmm. It uses uh, effectively what you could imagine as a pendulum. Hmm. So it's got a cantilevered balance on the back of it, which basically rattles around. It does feel quite odd to wear, but very, very cool because... You know, if you take a, like a 7750, like a Bremen or something that's got a great big, you can feel the rotor, or even an NH35, something like that, you can feel the rotor whirring mm-hmm. around because they're heavy and big movements, etc. This feels odd because you can just hear it or feel it kind of knocking backwards and forwards. just lets you know it's mm. there. I suppose depending on the kind of person you are, you you know, especially if you're wearing a $40,000 watch or however much this costs you, you kind of like knowing that it's there. Very cool, the Hamatic Calibre. It's what they call the Calibre 106. But it's it's basically a little pendulum yeah. on the back that goes backwards and forwards rather than a uh, a weight that rotates around in order to provide it uh, with power. But they've got some cracking watches that they produce. They produce also a... Now, what's the right phrase for it where you can't see the movement? Ask. Can't skeleton? see the hands. No. No, not a skeleton dial. A mystery hands. It's sort of a it's not quite it's not actually a mystery hands in that the movement is located, but the whole thing kind of sits balanced. It is it's like a it's what they call the moon in space. Okay. Uh if you have a look at that. Uh but Morris Grossman doing some cool things. They've got some cool new additions out. I mean, it's not cheap. Yeah. But that's I've I've never seen that uh, that yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a video man. of that even functioning from an engineering standpoint. <laughs> yeah, as well. There's a wee video on there of the Hamatic. Uh, if you have a look yeah. at it, it's very it slides cool, back and very forth. Much, that's cool. uh, worth it. Yeah, I think the last movement I saw where they were taking on 
the automatic movement is that Ulysses Nardan one where it had a has something that moves with internally it's kind of sh- when you shake the watch it, it charges it but I this is a this is a new one on me yeah the one I'm looking at here is 47,000 US dollars they're not cheap like I mean it's still a, it does it's a micro interestingly they also do a tourbillon which has human hair in it and it's the hair of Christina Huta, who's the managing director of Morris Grossman, because they needed a really fine, like it's got bits, there's bits of timber and stuff in it uh, to reduce friction and all the rest of it. But if you read the story on it, we've actually got on the Scottish Watches YouTube channel, I'm just remembering this actually, I should have really said this initially, we've got a video with Robin goes through all these watches and in particular the tourbillon they make that's got, you know, they tried like horse hair and badger hair and... <laughs> and eventually they settled on human wow. hair. Uh, so I think if you pay, you know, obviously you're buying one of these, it's $140,000 or something. They can put your own hair in it if you if really, really want, want it. Custom. Uh, wow. If you really want to. Well, that uh, could be a whole line, like a celebrity hair for, for maybe, watches. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is a million dollar <laughs> idea here, Chris. Maybe. Well, who's it? Somebody did that. Somebody bought a lock of Napoleon's hair and put it in a watch. <laughs> oh, really? Who was that? Yeah, Google that. Somebody did it was it was like a Roman Jerome. Oh, who did it? So you can you can have a Google at that, but somebody bought I think a lock of Napoleon's hair uh, to put it. It wasn't Bremen, that's the wrong country. It'd be the kind of thing they'd do. Uh but uh did that recently. I can't think who it was though. Maybe maybe it was actually So what know. do they use the hair for? Is it a, is it like a balance? I, I would like or? to say the hairspring, but it's not. I I don't I actually I can't honestly Go watch the video because I can't. Yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it in yeah. the uh, in the show yeah. notes here because I'm sure, sure I, this is the first time I'm hearing of this as well. Yeah, I've got one of these coming for review. Not the Tourbillon, unfortunately, but they do some uh, quite spectacular colour dials. I mean, it's a real high-end company, so effectively they'll make whatever you want. They only make about 400 watches a year, I think. So if you want it, a particular colour, a particular style, they've got the in-house guys to do it and, you know, the 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 contacts within the rest of the Swiss watch industry to do it for them. So are they Swiss? So just are a really interesting company. company. Uh, yeah, they're based in, well, they're based in Glashütte. So they're German. Uh, they're, they're based uh, beside, you know, Elang and Zona and Glashütte Original and all these kind of guys. Uh, Grossman was, if I remember correctly, I want to say he was the guy alongside it wouldn't have been Lang, it might have been who originally brought hydropower to the Glasshuta Valley in order that during the winter they had power to do something other than raise sheep. <laughs> drink. So they became watchmakers, <laughs> yeah. or other than drink, yeah. or whatever it was they did. So yeah, he, that's where the name oh, comes okay. from. It's, the company, I think, is only 10 or 15 years yeah. old. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've been doing some really interesting things at that level. You'd put them alongside the kind of shipex uh, of of the world in terms of, you know, they've decided to enter the microbrand world mm. at the real top end, mm-hmm. but without massive names. So it's not like uh, they're watchmakers in that it's not like FP Jure right. or someone deciding I'm going to set up a watch brand that's got my name on it. It is business people who know the watch industry. You came in with a, you came in with a couple of heavy hitters here. You got... 
This is definitely. <laughs> ah, listen, listen. I wouldn't be allowed this in our own right. shows. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just and they just they're they're sending you sending you this over. All right, okay. I see. I see. How it is. Uh, they're sending. <laughs> we're getting one of these over to to see. Uh, I, I particularly like the moon one. Unfortunately, they're not going to send them. Yeah, away. yeah. That's cool. Cool. That's cool. Oh, that's been really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Be- before we wrap up here, we've been obviously we've had micro brands across the segment that we've been talking about. I suppose it would be a good few minutes because it is confusing, isn't it? What is a microbrand and what isn't? Chris, have you got any thoughts on what, what you think of the definition of a microbrand is? Or Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I think Rick kind of expanded on that, that fact. It's not necessarily a value, you know, it's not necessarily a, a dollar figure. I mean, you can have a, a microbrand watch company that, that makes 400 of something. And then you can also have, you know, 400 of something that are that is... $25,000, you know, or 400 or something that is $300, you know, the sort of, so we're, we kind of, we kind of covered that. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think there are now, um, there is a bunch of established microbrands that are kind of desperately hanging on to that label of microbrand, but are, are now sort of ubiquitous. Like, um, well, we mentioned Christopher Ward at the top of the show, but, uh, like Spinnaker, yeah, like I don't. I mean, they they make a ton of stuff, and I um, I mean, people will still consider them a eh? and and I, like I mentioned, Yama Yama. Um, I mean, they're part of a conglomerate spinnaker. There's about four different companies there. Yeah, the Dartmouth brands. Uh, right, right. Yeah, all those. Yeah, exactly. Um, spinnaker, Aviate, Duffa, and there's somebody else that's fairly well known. Okay. The uh, Zelos, no? Is that part of that too? No, Zelos is actually no, an independent Zelos Singapore is... brand. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're doing some incredible things. I think Zelos just have, they probably have the most eclectic use of materials yes. and they have like a, a Damascus titanium, I think they used on one of their cases. Which... Doing bronze and they're doing all sorts of stuff with different metals. Yeah. Um, so it's, in, it, it, it's sort of a, you know, we've had, we've had, it's it's they've been around long enough where it's it's sort of gotten to the point where it's like you know when do they move into <laughs> that they are a brand um but i think for the time being we're sort of stuck with this moniker um and 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 how we uh and how we deal with them i want to also shout out to uh a a brand new micro brand friend to the channel friend to me um, and that's uh, Aloha Watches. Have you guys seen the Aloha brand? No. Okay, that sounds like something I'm going to struggle to spell. Is that how Aloha, Aloha is like in Hawaii? Hawaii. Yeah. In Hawaii. A L O H A. Spencer has basically put together his first. This is his first foray into watchmaking, and he just hit one out of the park with this uh, fantastic GMT. Um, and I just he's only has. Uh, and this is sort of the other the other part of this is I feel like you can be a microbrand and and have one watch, and then you know when do you stop being a microbrand when you have like a diver a chronograph uh you know you have like the whole the whole entire collection. I mean, what for you guys? What do you what do you think? Mm, I always view that you're a microbrand when I say you're a microbrand, <laughs> depending on what argument I'm having, trying to win at the time. So if I need you for an argument. And I need you to be a micro brand. I can make you a micro brand. 
So Rolex, that well-known independent... It's this thing, because you also then get into the whole independent... Right, yes. right, yeah. Or charity, charity-owned. Yes, <laughs> charity-owned. Right, and then exactly. the other thing, the, the way I've heard it described, which I kind of like, but hasn't really broken into common use, is the idea of an owner-driver brand, mm-hmm. whereby the guy is driving it forward is actually a watchmaker. Right. That's or interesting. the guy who's driving it forward, the girl that's driving forward is a business person. So a micro brand might be somebody who isn't a watchmaker and therefore to produce their watch is having to go out with their business to buy in all the skill. Mm-hmm. But then an owner driver, like a, a well-known chef, is actually able to go and do lots of it themselves. So I don't think you would call Roger Smith a microbrand. Right, that's a good example. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't know Weiss why you wouldn't is... call microbrand because or Cameron. But as far as I, as far as I'm aware, Roger's only ever made one watch. It's just he moves it around really, really quickly <laughs> to think that he's made yeah, more than one. Yeah. It's and, and yeah, and you mentioned and you mentioned uh, Weiss. Uh, I mean, only I mean, he gets brought up all the time as you know. I mean, definitely like his story, like independent watchmaker in America. But yeah, as far as a brand, I mean, he only has, I think, two models at this point. Yeah. Um, so very, very limited production, very, you know, small brand, you know. And I've made this, uh, I've made this argument before, but I, I don't like when uh, companies can't quite figure out what they're good at. And so then they try to make everything. You know, they try, they're like, and uh, I see this with, uh, I see this with wineries all the time. So you'll go to, uh, down in, down in Southern California, we have an area in Temecula and Temecula is not known for any particular style of wine. So they make everything. <laughs> and so you go to a winery and you're like, I'll have what you make. And they're like, well, we have, we have the, you know, we have a, we have a red, we have a rosé, we have a Zinfandel, we have a Chardonnay, we have a, and you're like, okay, but what, what is the thing that you're known for? And so same sort of thing with watch companies. I feel like what happens eventually, and you'll see this with some of the some of the brands where you know they just they just start to print all you know. Yep, we've got a diver, we've got a chronograph, we've got a, a dress watch, we've got a vintage uh, military watch, we've got a <laughs> we've got a we've got a tank, we've got a et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's and it I think it just it it makes it like it just 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 uh, uh, waters down the waters down the brand. Yeah. I mean, we're watch collectors at the end of the day, so we like putting things in categories. Mm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'd probably do something else. So there's always going to be the pressure to say, yeah, let's define something. And so we come up with this. Somebody invented this term microbrand. They probably brought it in from some other industry. And then now, because we're watch collectors, we now argue about what it <laughs> exactly. means. Because where would we be without both definitions and arguments about those definitions? Exactly. So I don't know if you consider, I don't know if there's any big organizations or smaller brands within any big conglomerates that you could consider still to be a micro brand. I'm just having a think as to whether, you know, I mean, is Elang and Zona that produce. Not many watches, a micro brand. Yeah, or the Accutron, those new Accutrons made by Bolivar. Yeah, is Accutron. The... Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, the price of that is just staggering. I, I mean, d- 
did they bought the borrowed Grand Seiko and Seiko's dartboard by the looks of yeah, it? Yeah, I was re- I was pretty. We, we had a maybe an over emotional podcast last week where I was like, <laughs> I was looking forward to that thing because it looked amazing. I was like, oh, three and a half grand. But then other a couple of people have commented to me, well, it's a you know new movement and. Uh, apparently the way i'd explained it how it worked was wrong as well but <laughs> but what i don't understand is okay all it's basically doing is powering a capacitor mm-hmm. okay which then just powers a quartz watch as i understand it is a it's a, you know it's not like the original which was tuning yeah. fork and so that's how it was off the frequency of that this is a it's got a quartz what's crystal the, in it, um, what's the as I understand it. one that does that the Kinetic. The Seiko Kinetic does kinetic. that. It's the same thing. It's just powers right. of... But what I don't understand about it is why they've made it... If the whole thing has been built from the ground up, right. so why make it 44 mil or whatever stupid size it is? It's huge. It's absolutely enormous. If you're going to make it... I mean, I would normally argue that watches can stand being 42 mil, but even I'm looking at this going... It's, that's a big watch. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's yeah, like they've 40, gone back, haven't they? Because yeah. the original one was tiny and yes, the original one is very small. But it's no longer the original because it, it bears little resemblance, other than it's got a bit of green on it and that wee copper capacitor or uh, accumulator or whatever it is uh, on it. I didn't know it had a quartz uh, crystal in it. Maybe that's the bit that I got wrong. I, I thought may, it was. I might. I, without, I might be without. making this up, and you might be about to get sued by Boulevard, <laughs> but I'm fairly sure that it's timed by a quartz crystal okay right in the the actual only tech that's new to it notionally is that it powers the capacitor rather than via battery via this electrostatic thing so debethun of it's effectively a dynamo they they weren't very descriptive about how it worked i listened to a gentleman at hodinky tried to explain it on their podcast and he did a good job. One of the, I forget which website it was, um, it was one of the big ones, maybe Gear Patrol or something, and they, they put the description as, it works similar to rubbing a balloon on a jumper. I'm thinking, that's not technical at all. <laughs> but it's exactly, I mean, that's ex- there's, little, there's little gremlins, little gremlins inside charging balloons. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. yeah. What I wanted to know, and we asked this is, Okay, so it's electrostatic, which means that effectively it's sparking. Right. Effectively. So am I allowed to wear it when I'm filling up the petrol? <laughs> yes, yes, making little sparks, yes. Do we, ha- yeah, do we have to put signs up now in petrol stations saying no Accutrons, yeah, yeah. no Accutrons allowed? Yeah. Well, guys, that was a really interesting conversation. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Rick, for joining us on this week's episode. Thanks for having me. Head on over to Scottish Watches for their podcast as well. As always, we appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.